Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. Well, I don't know really what I can say to top that. I'm not going to compete with God. He is, he's an amazing God. We, uh, most were praying, Candace and I were out on the beach when we started getting the news of Friday and we started praying and God is good. He's so good. And we, we don't just believe he's done all he's going to do. The tingling is going to go away. You're going to be 100%. And I know many of you in this room and watching online have had stories and incidents, whether it's been medical, physical, or whatever, to see the way God has worked in and through you. And there's no, there's no reason to believe he's going to stop. So I hope even what you've heard this morning, as I look out again, I know some of you and a few of you, some of the things you're going through, know that God is still a God of miracles. Sometimes he does it the same day. Sometimes he takes a little longer. And it's not because he's slow or his timing is off. It's because his timing is perfect. But isn't it a great day to be together in the house of the Lord? I'm going to tell you, it's just it's so exciting. 8.30 service, we, we had a great, great time together. And I just love the theme that we had this year of, of reaching out for a position of strength. And in these past weeks and months, we've heard some great messages on how to reach out and being prepared to reach out. And I'm going to do a little, something a little bit different today. We're going to talk about to who or to whom. I'll say it up here. I don't claim to be an English major. Uh, to who or to whom and where we reach out. And the Bible provides some great guidance on this. And the simple answer is we reach out to everyone everywhere. Everyone everywhere. So kind of to set the tone for the 1030 service, let me share with you Acts 27. On the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them, and since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. Paul preached until midnight. Now, I told the 830 service they were off the hook because we had a 1030 service. I'm going to try not to preach till midnight, but we don't have a service after this one, so I can't make any promises, but we'll see what, what we can do. We're going to look at the first chapter of Acts today, and we'll start with the text that we're going to work from, and then I'll go back and give you some of the uh, previous verses leading up to it. So in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, if you're like me, you've heard a lot of messages on this. I've preached on this before. It's, it's really a, a message a series in itself. You can take Acts 1.8, and you can preach for, for weeks on it. And if you notice, it talks about the Holy Spirit and the Spirit coming on us. And again, we've had some great teachings on Holy Spirit. We've had some Wednesday night teachings. We've had series on Sunday morning. Pastor Rod did a whole series. And if you're not aware, you can go on the church app or on the church website, and you can pull up all the previous sermons, individual sermons, series. And if you want a refresher, or maybe for the first time, a great teaching on Holy Spirit, look at our archives, our sermon archives, and you can, you can find that. But today, again, we're not going to focus on the spirit part of it. 
we're going to focus on the who and the where. The Spirit is so important in anything we do. So I'm not ignoring the Spirit. Let me just say that, that up front. But the Spirit that that verse talks about that is in us is the same Holy Spirit we read, out, read about throughout the Bible. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit that was responsible for Mary conceiving Jesus and a Holy Spirit that overcomes death and a Holy Spirit that lives in us. They are not different Holy Spirits. They are the same Holy Spirit. And if you're not aware, the Holy Spirit's not a thing. The Holy Spirit is a person, a living person, part of the Trinity. And again, that's about as deep as I'm going to go into that. It's been some, some other teachings you can look at. But let's just look at a couple of verses that help set the tone about the Spirit we're looking at today. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, who was engaged to Joseph, was engaged to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, the same Holy Spirit that lives in us today. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 8, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. There are a lot of things in life we're faced with, some because of decisions we make and things we do, some from external sources, some are physical, some financial, some relational. We've heard today about a physical, medical issue. All of those sometimes are difficult to overcome, but there is nothing more difficult to overcome than death. Nothing that we'll ever face here on this earth. Humanly, physically, death is final. Not in God's eyes, but death is the greatest thing that we can ever face. So if the Spirit of God, if Holy Spirit can overcome death, then it can overcome whatever we face. So again, the same Holy Spirit which raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, lives in me, lives in us. So let's back up just a few verses in Acts 1. Let me get the uh, iPad working here. And look at verses 1 and 2. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions to the Holy Spirit to the, to the apostles he had chosen. So the author of the book of Acts is Luke. Luke wrote the book of Luke. So he's referring to the second book here. If you're not aware, Luke was a doctor. And doctors, and I know you're thankful for this, doctors deal with details, a lot of documentation. So in some of the things you'll see that Luke recorded under the direction of God, the Holy Spirit, there are a lot of details. And you know, as we touched on very lightly a minute ago, God's timing, God's timing is always perfect. My timing's not always perfect. Sometimes I want to get out ahead of God. Sometimes I know God's leading me to do something and I drag my feet a little bit. That don't work out too well for me. I don't know about you guys. Maybe you've got that mastered. But let's see in a couple of more verses in Acts what it says about God's timing. On one occasion, 
while he, Jesus, was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now I'm thinking, you know, the disciples didn't have what we have today. They don't have physical Bibles. They don't have the, the Bible app with 20-some versions of the Bible where you can read it and, and interpret it and, and understand it in different ways. But they knew there was an urgency to what was going on with, with Jesus, what had gone on and what he was calling them to do. So I can just see myself sitting in the room like, why are we sitting here? We got things to do. And I can look around the room, and I know how some of you are wired. And it's like, we're wasting time sitting here. We've got things to do. Why are we waiting? But what did Jesus say? Not yet. Not yet. Because if they would have gone out without the power of Holy Spirit, it would have failed. So God's timing is perfect. And we get the equation right. It's not trying to get God to line up with our timing. It's trying to get our timing to line up with God's. Some of you are nodding your heads, and some of you are looking at me like um, you know, I have three eyes or something. Don't tell me you don't know what I'm talking about, trying to get out of God's timing. It's so important to do that. In another place, Jesus has said what the urgency is, something we call the Great Commission. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Man, sometimes I just don't feel like I've got what it takes to do what God's called me to do. But what does he say? It was even, Harlan mentioned it earlier, God will never leave us or forsake us. But if we get out ahead of God, he may not necessarily be in it. He's never going to leave us or forsake us, but we need to be in his timing for him to be guiding what's going on. In our text, in the eighth verse, we talked about being witnesses. So let's just make sure we know what it means in that context. You know, from my police background. If you didn't know, I was a policeman in Virginia for 21 years, and we used and heard the word witness a lot when it came to court cases. And it's important to know what a witness is. So who is a witness? It's one who has personal knowledge of something. So in the criminal court system, I wouldn't be able to testify to what Rod told you earlier about what went on in the hospital, because that would be hearsay. It's not admissible as evidence. I don't have personal knowledge. I'm just taking his word for it. The only things I can testify to as far as material facts of the case are the things that I have seen, things I've heard, things I have touched, things I have smelled, the, the things we can experience with our five senses. So it's important to know that you have to have personal knowledge before you can be a witness. So to be a personal witness for Jesus, it begs the question, do you have personal knowledge of Jesus? If you don't, you can't be a witness for him. Do you read the Bible? Do you talk to Jesus' father? 
We must have that personal knowledge of Jesus to be a witness for him. So that's the noun, who is a witness or what is a witness. But the verb, what does it mean to witness? means to testify, to make a statement based on that personal knowledge or belief. So if you don't have that foundation of the knowledge, then you can't witness to it. You can't testify to it. So do you see the the order in this verse? It's very clear. We will receive power when Holy Spirit comes on us. We will be his witnesses, not the other way around. Holy Spirit comes on us, empowers us, we will be his witnesses. What I want to spend the rest of our time together talking about today is the the who and the where of that. So we have a a map we're going to put up and always point to the back when I'm standing here because I'm looking at that. You don't have to turn around. I'm looking at the same thing. Y'all are looking on the screens on the front. Um, You see this map here and this we're going to take a little liberty with because depending on who you talk to, when we get into regions, some people think they're a little larger or smaller. But for the context of here, we're going to look at Jerusalem as Flagler Beach in Flagler County. That's our, our hometown. If you live here or if you're visiting, you don't live here. It's whatever geographical region that you live in. We interact with people in our Jerusalem all the time. Sometimes it's when you wake up in the morning and it's the person that's been snoring next to you all night. <laughs> Sometimes it's your kids. Sometimes it, it could be your roommates. It could be whoever. And then as soon as we leave the house, in whatever capacity we live, it's all the people we interact with. Whether we go to school, we go to work, we go to Publix, we go to the park, we interact with our neighbors. We interact with so many people in our Jerusalem. Now, a little larger region is Judea, which, again, you can see it on the map. That's the the second circle there. Some may say that's like the northeast region of Florida. I'm just going to say that's the state of Florida. It's a little bit larger than, than our local area. And the way we interact with people is similar but a little bit different. A lot of times it's in stores. It may be in traffic when... Um, Nobody ever cut you off in Florida. I know that's just, that just happens to me. Everybody that drives in Florida has passed a driving test. They drive well, right? All of you drive well. Don't turn. I did hear a story of a friend who went to take his driving test in Florida, and he said he failed his test. I said, why did you fail your test? He said, well, I used my turn signal. He said, I didn't run anybody off the road, so they failed me. Just kidding. So in some of the ways we interact with people in our Judea is the same as our Jerusalem with one significant difference. It's very likely that the people you interact with in Jerusalem is repeated. Same family, same neighbors, same stores, same co-workers. In Judea, it may be people that you don't see every day. You may see them less frequently or maybe never again. But the area I want to spend a lot more time on is our Samaria. Now, Samaria, as you can see on the map, is a a larger region geographically, but it's also culturally different. People who look, 
think or believe differently than we do. This can be a whole message series on its own, but we're going to touch on a few things today. So briefly, I'll, I'll try to help us to either understand for the first time or be reminded of who were the Samaritans. First of all, they were half Jews and half Gentiles. That was not a good thing then. That was not acceptable. That was very much looked down upon. Jews and Samaritans had a long history of prejudice and hostility. So what was Jesus? Jew. Here we're going to be carrying the good news to people. We're going to be carrying the good news of a Jew, the Savior, to Gentiles. There were some that weren't on that bus yet. They didn't accept that yet. They were not supposed to be seen together in public. There were even places, like if you remember the story of the Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well, there were times when Jews were supposed to go to the well and times when Samaritans were supposed to go to the well. They weren't even supposed to be at the well at the same time of the day so that there would be no chance of them interacting. So just from those few facts, you can tell these weren't people that were having dinner together. They weren't partying together. They weren't doing life together. They didn't like each other. So as I was been working on this message, and by the way, it's, it's much easier when you preach once a quarter and you've been, I keep a, a notes field on my phone and as I'm having my devotion or I see a verse or somebody says something, I'll go make a list of running notes, maybe for a week, month, two months, and then I'll bring it together at the end to do a, a sermon. When Pastor Rod or others, when you speak every week, I don't know if you've noticed, but Sunday comes every week. That's something I've run into, and it's much different. So this is something that's been germinating in me for a while. So the question I began to ask myself, and I would like for you to ask yourself is, who are our Samaritans? Not geographically, but who are the people that are different from us? Different from me, different from you not just different from the group, but different individually. Let's look at a few modern-day examples. So let me say up front, one of my gifts or one of the ways God uses me is to step on people's toes. <laughs> I wore my hard-soled shoes this morning just so that I wouldn't experience any pain. But I would challenge you, if you feel like your toes are stepped on this morning, don't get mad. Come up here at the end of the service and pray with somebody to see what God would say to you about it. Everybody's ready now, right? It's like, what did my wife tell him about me? What did I do this week? Don't have any of that. Just some things I believe God wants us to talk about. So who are our Samaritans? We'll start with one that's probably obvious and on the forefront of a lot of people's mind are different races. I mean, let's be honest. In today's society, we've come a long ways from, I know, even my grandparents and great-grandparents and, and, and laws and culture, but there are still a lot of people that will think a particular way about somebody just because the color of their skin, whether they've ever spoken to them or gotten to know them or not. I don't think Jesus paid attention to skin color. In fact, if you think Jesus was this color... 
do some study. I'm pretty white. I have to be careful in the sun here. Be, do, do some study in the time he grew up in, the region he grew up in. Chances of him looking like the picture you may have on your dining room wall. And we know what Jesus looks like because we've all seen that picture, right? The long flowing brown hair and the blue eyes. That's probably not what, what Jesus looks like. I told this story in the 830 service, and I'll, I'll tell it again. I love just sometimes to hear people talk about different races or cultures. And I love when I hear Val tell somebody that she's African-American. And people look at her, and it's like, because of preconceived ideas. Now, Rod and Val have been citizens of Africa. They are United States citizens. In the truest sense of the word, they are African-Americans. More than any of the rest of us sitting in the room in that vein. So sometimes even what we hear and what we say and what we, the filters we put things through are, are very different. All right, this is one where I know I stand a chance of people throwing things, but hey, I'm a big boy, I can handle it. Different political parties. Wow. Am I really going to go there? Yes, I am. First of all, let me just shock you. Jesus is not a Democrat or a Republican. He's not an independent. None of that. He does, you know, he, he doesn't care which animal you like, which one you ride on, what color your political party is. It's based on facts and truth. So there was a time in Virginia, it's been a number of years ago, I was still in the police department. I worked the polls for a, a black gentleman who was running for mayor. And I went to school with the opposing candidate's daughter. And she'd been mayor, white lady, for a lot of years. And there were people that said some not-so-nice things to me. Well, I believed the issues he stood for. Didn't matter to me if I'd never seen the man in person or not. Um, it's kind of, people say it jokingly, but maybe in truth, there are some people that would not vote for Jesus if he was a member of the opposing political party. There are people that would vote for Satan if he was a member of their political party. But didn't I tell you this was going to get fun? You know? So this is what I would recommend. Again, I have 20-some versions of the Bible here. There are paper Bibles all around the room. Compare and filter your opinions, your thoughts, your decisions through the Word of God not through just a friend, not through a political party, not through a candidate, because there are Republicans that say things and believe things that are biblical and not biblical. There are Democrats that say and vote ways that are biblical and not biblical. I have seen people who would not be in each other's presence just because of political party affiliation. Drives me crazy. So while we're having fun, let's talk about sexual orientations. I mean, I'm, I'm going to sit down after this. He's your pastor. He's still going to be the pastor. Y'all can, can follow me home, tar and feather me if you like, but stand on the word of God. There are people that will not have anything to do with somebody because of a different sexual orientation. 
if you want to know what's truth, filter it through the Bible. And I'm not going to try to get into all what the different ones or even claims to be or whatever, because there's a lot of opinions and some facts on that. So let's just say whether it's heterosexual or anything else, people are living a lifestyle that doesn't line up with God's word. Okay? We tell them the truth. We love the person. We don't love or we don't condone the sin. One of the most loving things we can do to ourselves, to our spouses, to our children, to anybody else we interact with is to tell them the truth. In love, you know, don't feel like you've got, you know, God gave you the hammer of truth to go around and beat people up with. But the most loving thing we can do is tell people the truth. We don't have to love behavior, but we should love the truth, and we should love the people. <laughs> Different sports teams. I see Jedediah in here, yeah. Harlan was sitting up here last service. If you want to see something fun during football season, you got the Dolphins and you got the Bills. On the day they play each other, I don't know if y'all will sit on the same side of the church or not. I don't know. Maybe you do. You engage, but what kind of engagement? Yeah, is it pleasant? <laughs> but there are people that don't want to be around each other because of a sports affiliation. Don't get me wrong. I'm competitive. I love sports. I love competition, but I don't think that's the, the hill or the tree to die on. What about people with a criminal record? What about a horrible, extensive criminal record? Now, again, there is wisdom in life to setting boundaries, okay? I'm not saying if you've got somebody that makes a life of stealing things, you invite them to move into your home. It might not be a good thing to do. But I, I was kind of, in my mind, I, I processed this question, and I want to ask to see what your opinion is. Would Jesus have responded differently to the thief on the cross if he had been a murderer, a child molester, or a bank robber. Now, we don't know what he stole. Who said he was a thief? He could have stolen a candy bar from Publix. Probably not, but could have stolen something smaller. He could have stolen, you know, somebody's life earnings. I don't know that. But when Jesus was on the center cross and the thief asked Jesus to remember him, didn't go through a lot of baptism and theological stuff that may mess with us today, but Jesus responded with love. So my question is, do you believe that Jesus died on the cross and salvation is available to murderers, to child molesters, bank robbers, to horse thieves, you know, whatever kind of world that, that you live in. If not, I think it's, it's good for us to spend some time with God about that issue. I'm going to make a real deep statement here, so, so try to hang with me. To be witnesses to people, either from different geographical areas 
or to people who are different than we are, we must be near them. Told you that was going to be deep, right? So for us to be witnesses in some way, and again, in today's world, it can be with technology, but we have to have some kind of contact with them. So I'm going to spend some time talking about how we do this. Everyone, everywhere, and how. And I hope you guys never get sick of hearing about this, but the drum I am beating this month, this summer, are our students from Arkansas. Love you guys, cheer you guys on. And I asked one of our leaders in the group to just tell me a little bit about Kaleo, the, the, um, the organization that they're here from. And this is what I got. Kaleo is a nine-week program that provides college students the ability to develop their leadership, character, and faith. Each student at Kaleo works a full-time job. In their off hours, they deepen friendships, learn to share their faith in a winsome and effective way, and gain skills to help them study the Bible and apply it to their lives. There are around 200 other University of Arkansas Central Arkansas and Missouri State students growing in their faith and learning how to make a spiritual impact in college and beyond. Students evangelize on the beach, have various trainings on biblical manhood and womanhood, learn how to study the Bible, how to walk others into a relationship with Christ and so much more. I'd never heard that last phrase before, and I love it. How to walk people into a relationship with Jesus. You don't see them standing on the corner with turn or burn. You know, you're going to hell if you don't pray this prayer right this minute. No, they're spending time with each other and with people. And I see so many of you do that too. A lot of you are sitting here today or you're watching online because somebody in this area walked with you. It may have been literally walking through the neighborhood for exercise, or it may be somebody you worked with or a neighbor, but because you walk with somebody, you are here. So well done, guys, ladies. We appreciate you so much. And again, you're going to be with us about three more weeks. So cheer them on. The last category described in Acts 1-8 is ends of the earth. So I don't think we need a map for that. I think we kind of understand it's everything that's not already in those circles that we've looked at. It speaks for itself. It's everywhere. When the book of Acts was written, people were restricted in their travel. You know, they on foot or maybe with the assistance of some animal. Um, think of Dave and Carol Cape and the years and I don't know how many thousands of miles of carrying the cross in the bowl and washing the feet of people, the lowly of lowly, and world leaders. You know, when you walk to accomplish what you're doing, you can accomplish what you're supposed to do, but you don't accomplish as many miles as if you have the car or even if you have an animal to help you. But the the transportation was was very limited. And, And sometimes they sent letters or other writings, but again, with a messenger. Now with technology, things have changed tremendously. Again, I hear Pastors Rod and Val talk about the messages here at Coastal, the different countries where people live that intentionally watch 
the messages, podcast, and and guys, technology is amoral. It's like money. You can do good things with money and bad things with money. The devil uses technology. Don't stop there. God uses technology in tremendous, tremendous ways. So what the devil may intend for bad, we know what God intends. So you may have heard another phrase for ends of the earth, such as foreign missions. If you grew up in church, you may have had a missions department or heard of foreign missions. And there are three general ways that we can be involved in foreign missions. One is we can go. We can physically get in the plane, get on the bus, get in the car, the boat or whatever, and we can physically go to a place that we would, be, we would consider foreign. We can pray. We can pray for the ones that are going and for the ones that will be receiving them. And we can also send. We can send financially and in other ways of support. So I want to spend a few minutes talking about just a few of the end-of-the-earth initiatives that Coastal supports. And by the way, when I say Coastal, you know I mean you, right? The building doesn't send a check. Pastor Rod and Bob don't just get their money together. It's you. When I say coastal, I'm talking about you. One of the first ways is actually on the ground, a going in Haiti. Jedediah has led trips for years. I know the pandemic messed up some things, but still going again this fall. So if you want to know how you can support the team going to Haiti, this isn't just a hit and run. These are people they developed long-term relationships through years. And if you want to know how you can support the trip, talk to J.D. or James sitting in the back. You guys stand up so they can see who you are. You know, J.D. here, and James is the cute, tall one that stands right here on the stage, you know. I understand James says he hopes there's never air conditioning again on a trip to Haiti or something yeah. like that. I don't know. Another initiative we support is World Mission Center's live school. There's a brochure that's at the Connect Corner, both entrances, exits as you leave today if you want more information. So I wanted to make sure I gave you specifically what these are. So I, I just took information from their, their websites in addition to what I've heard and what I know on my own. Live School is a comprehensive and portable missions training and discipleship program that trains indigenous believers in rural and urban areas of the world to plant sustainable churches and be missionaries to their own and neighboring people groups. So these live schools are on electronic devices. Now, we think about the Internet. You think, well, it's available digitally. We just get on our Spectrum or AT&T or whatever and get it. Some places, it's an MP3 player with a solar panel. 240, 243 hours of training. Everything from who is God all the way through to how to become pastor, missionary, and lead, lead a church. So hearing a little bit about what they are impacts me. But when I looked at some numbers, there are live stream schools in 112 countries. 112. 
there are 2,563 schools. Think about that, 2,563. There are 23,871 students. It's a lot of people. And even though all these numbers are impressive, I think the, the smallest number here, the one that impacted me the most, it's in more than 10 languages. And it's being added to, it's a major undertaking to translate 243 hours of training into 10 languages. Again, brochures are available if you would like to participate in that. Um, they're available at the entrances. Kilimanjaro Mission Hospital. Heard Heidi speak earlier about Bible school. She is preparing, continues to prepare herself to be on the mission field. The mission hospital is located in Kenya at the base of Mount Kilimanjaro and serves a rural community where good, reliable health care is difficult to obtain. As a faith-based center, yes, they're meeting medical needs, but they're sharing Jesus. Kilimanjaro Mission Hospital depends on volunteers and donations. You can see Heidi, her husband, Scott, who's a doctor at the mission, for more information. And again, these brochures are available at the doors. One of my favorites, and maybe they're all my favorites, but sometimes when you have leaders from organizations that come over from other countries to, to be in our presence and to share with us, is New Day United. Um, New Day United is about being a part of the change to see lives restored and communities transformed through educational programs, developing entrepreneurial skills, and providing scholarships. New Day is passionate about sharing Jesus and motivated to bring hope, help, and healing to the people of Africa. Lynn Swart, who was here with us earlier this year, leads the New Day initiative. And again, there's some cards It'll be at each entrance if you want. So I hope that just gives you an idea that you don't necessarily have to go. You can be a part in different ways of things that are happening all over the world. Let me give you a perspective that helps me when I look at things that I need to do in life, things that I want to do in life, things I believe God has called me to in life. Um, there are two approaches that we can take to things that let's just say are on our to-do list, whether we put them on there or, or somebody else did. We can see the opportunities through the lens of I have to, or we can see these opportunities through the lens of I get to. Very different, very different. It's one thing to say I have to do something. I'm already approaching it in a way I know I'm not going to enjoy it. It's my obligation or I'm acting solely out of obedience. And don't get me wrong, obedience is good. The Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. So obedience is good. But when we approach something strictly out of obedience, we're missing out. Not just the people we're serving, but we're missing out. It's a whole different ballgame when I approach things from the I get to perspective. And that's the attitude that I, that I recommend. You know, Throughout the book of Acts, we see ordinary people, in many ways not very different from us, doing amazing things, God using them in amazing ways. 
just a few of them, preaching to crowds, praying and seeing people healed, overcoming opposition, sharing the gospel with Gentiles, preaching through persecution, going on missionary journeys, making it safely to shore after being shipwrecked. And these are just a few examples. Sometimes we go to the ends of the earth to serve people or to share the gospel with people that are different than us. And sometimes the ends of the earth are brought to us. So think of Flagler Beach. Very a beach community, uh, vacationers, very transient population, snowbirds, some, again, that just vacation. So how many people in the room are native Floridians? Well, we probably have about 10. And there's probably close to 200 people in the room. So um, most of us are not native. So most of us showed up here from, from somewhere else, as my family and I did. So we don't just have to think about going to other countries and going to other places to be around people different than us. A lot of times they are brought to us. Just a, a couple of principles about how to love people who may be difficult for us to love, and then we'll wrap this up. Again, love the person, but do not love or condone the behavior. Um, and this is true with believers and non-believers. Sometimes we think we're just carrying the message of Jesus to people that don't know him. And yes, the salvation message, but if you, if you looked around, have you looked in the mirror? Believers, followers of Jesus have sin in their lives. We have sin in our lives. So sometimes sharing the truth with believers and non-believers can be part of what God has called us to do. So I send you with these words from Jesus in John 20, 21. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you personally for what you have taught me in reading these scriptures and even writing these notes. And I thank you for the people that are within the sound of my voice, whether it's in the room or on camera live or if they'll watch it some other time. And I pray, first of all, that each and every person has a relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ. You can't be with us if we don't know you. So if there's anyone listening that does not know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, and you would like to make that decision today, there's no prayer in the Bible that we recite word for word. But the Bible says if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So whether you use my words or whether they're words of your own, if you have never accepted Jesus first as your Savior and then your Lord, I would encourage you to, to pray a prayer silently, out loud, however you would like to do it, something to the effect of, God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for creating me. I know I don't always live my life the way I should. 
I know I sin. I know I fall short. And I know there's nothing I can do on my own to make up for that. But Father, I accept your son Jesus as the payment for my wrongdoing. And Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. And I desire for you to be Lord of my life in everything that I think, in everything that I say, in everything that I do. And then, Father, I pray that in this moment that each person would be focused on you and they just have enough conversation with you in their minds and their hearts. And if there are areas of in their lives that they have Samaritans, people that they don't like, people that they have trouble forgiving, people that they judge. If they're aware of it, would you help them bring that to you and let you deal with it as they align their heart more with yours? And then if there are areas of our lives in that area that we're not even aware of, maybe we treat a certain type of person or people different Subconsciously, would you bring it to the forefront of our minds and make us aware? And then, Father, would you lead us, powered by your Spirit, into how you would like us to love others, to serve others, to share the gospel message of Jesus with others? And we pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. If there's anything about any of the message today or any other thing going on in your life that you would like somebody to pray with you, as we dismiss in a moment, please come up front. There'll be some wonderful leaders that would love to chat with you and pray with you. Remember, church is not over until you've talked to some people. I would recommend you find at least one person you don't know and at least get to know their name. There are refreshments and coffee. Bless you guys, and I hope you have a great week.